has already been said um, we were we were challenged uh, last week with a special focus on heart cry missionary society um, just to let you know as a church family uh, you know we as I said last week Don was here with his wife the Currens they were not here to do any type of fundraiser at all that's just not what they do as he also made clear we do uh, give to heart cry and so we did that in light of Don's coming he didn't want to receive anything, although we, we wanted to give him something. Uh, we, we did actually want to support his own ministry. He does, Don Curran Ministries. You can look up his ministry, Don Curran Ministries. But what an encouragement, a challenge it was. My dear friends and brothers and sisters, today I want us to think about the title would be Consider Him. Kind of, kind of steal that from this same book of Hebrews. Today we're in Hebrews chapter 2. Our text is Hebrews 2.10 through 3.6, okay? Hebrews 2.10 through 3.6. The title is Consider Him, which actually is taken from Hebrews 12. But I trust that you'll see uh, in our key verse this morning, if there's one key verse, it would be Hebrews 3.1, okay? Which just tells you, if you're if you're trekking with me so far at all, that, that the chapter division is, is okay, but it's not hard and fast. So a key verse, Hebrews 3.1, title, Consider Him, which you find that explicitly in Hebrews 12, and the text, Hebrews 2.10 through 3.6. As we're doing this series, let me just say before I pray, uh, let me try to help you and help, help me. Uh, this book of Hebrews that we're doing, we're doing a series on Hebrews chapters 1 through 6. Probably the key word might be the word better. Depending on your translation, you'll find that word better about 12 times in the book of Hebrews. Why is it Hebrews? Why is the book called Hebrews? Well, most likely because it was written to Jewish believers. And boy, does it have something to say to us today who are Gentile believers. So again, just a very quick lay of the land, written to Jewish believers who were persecuted, maybe looking to go back to Judaism, but Jesus is what? He's better. He's better. And there's so much here for us. So let's pray. Could we pray and could we also take a moment of silent prayer? Uh, pray for me. Pray for us. Pray for God to be magnified. Lord, help us. We are gathered in, in your presence. You are the creator, God. Not only have you made everything that we see and made us, you sustain everything through the word of your power, through Jesus Christ, who upholds all things. And so, Lord, please help us in these moments together 
Help us through the Holy Spirit, through Your power. Would You give clarity? We pray in uh, simplicity and, and again, power. And would You give us a focus on the Lord Jesus Christ? Father, as Pastor Ray was just praying, oh, how we thank You. We thank You, Lord. Please have mercy upon us and forgive us for our lack of gratitude. Lord, we come not perfect at all. But we thank you for Jesus. Set our sights on him this morning. And in a unique way, Lord, help us to see his suffering. Help us to see the suffering of Jesus the Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now, are you ready for this? Um, what do you think about this? It is not human to sin. It is not human to sin. Or you could say that another way. Listen carefully. Sin is not intrinsic to human nature. Sin, what do you think about that? Sin is not intrinsic to human nature. Or, as I said at first, it is not human to sin. We want to think about that here in just a bit. We've read this morning, friends, we've read Hebrews 2, 10 through 18, and what a passage that is. Really, it's a, a very appropriate passage uh, for Christmas, or better said, the incarnation, Hebrews 2, 10 through 18. But I said that we want to go through 3, 6. So would you look there with me at chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, and think about how this was written to them then, and it's also for us now. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. There it is, by the way, the title. The apostle and high priest of our confession, chapter Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2 who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are His house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now, one of my favorite people who writes about the book of Hebrews and has devoted even part of his life to teaching about the book of Hebrews is named George Guthrie. Just a good, helpful brother in writing about Hebrews. I want you to listen to this. He says, uh, he says that during the winter of 1980, as part of his college education, he served as a chaplain. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of this prison in Tennessee, Fort Pillow. He served as a chaplain intern 
at Fort Pillow, a medium maximum security prison in Tennessee. Along with my two colleagues from the university, I was given little supervision in my attempt to minister to a wide range of inmates. So he's a chaplain intern at this prison in Tennessee, and he says this, because he's, he's studying for the ministry. He says, the food was terrible, pornography was everywhere, and the culture, as is often the case in prison, was one of deception and special insider rules. Even the assistant chaplain informed me he no longer believed in God. Lord, help our military chaplains to be faithful and to believe in God and to preach the gospel. Lord, give an awakening at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base and around the globe. Of course, that's not what he's talking about right here. Since I was at Fort Pillow as a religion student, I had the assignment to observe various types of religious meetings conducted on the prison grounds. Among these was my first exposure to Islam. Listen to what he says. Following one worship service, a young, energetic preacher of the Quran and I had a lively conversation. Of course, I wanted to talk about Jesus. My friend was quite willing to speak of Jesus as a prophet, but thought of him as God as completely outrageous. The young, energetic, Islamic preacher who was preaching to the inmates the Quran, fine to talk about Jesus. But Jesus as God? How could a holy God take on corruptible human flesh? Does it mean that God had physical intercourse with Mary? Of course not, I told him. Nevertheless, listen, he was scandalized by the idea of the incarnation. As are many devotees of other religions and philosophies, even many Christians, even many Christians who claim to be orthodox or biblical struggle to imagine Jesus as fully human. So this morning we're not so concerned about those out there. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, number one, we're glad you're here. We hope you'll listen carefully with all of us and we hope you would become a follower of Jesus Christ. No, but primarily we're concerned about us about we that that even many even many Christians even many orthodox biblical Christians really we struggle we we find it a little bit if we're honest uneasy to really talk about the full humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ let me give you a roadmap of what we're doing here in our time together just a roadmap so you'll know where we're going okay i want to give you my two headings I'm going to give you those, and I'm not really going to closely refer back to them. I'm just going to give them to you. I'm going to give you my two headings, and then we're, going to, then we're just going to enjoy the text. I'm going to point out seven or eight things from the text. Hebrews 2.10 to 3.6. And then having done that, mainly just looking at the text and pointing out seven or eight things, then we want to bring it all together. We want to bring it all together to see what the Lord says to us this morning. And the two headings, uh, look at me and most importantly look at the text this morning. The two headings are these. Number one, consider Jesus. And number two, consider Jesus, the divine Son of God, in His humanity. 
So again, that second heading is this, consider Jesus in His full humanity. And boy, there is no better text than this to see that this morning. Excuse me. That's heading number two. Consider Jesus in His full humanity. And number one is simply this. Remember the title from Hebrews 12. Consider Him. Number one for us today is consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Now let's look at the text. What a joy. It is the very Word of God. Consider Jesus. Where do I get that? Well, I get it from what I mentioned to you might be a key verse. This is a little bit of a bigger passage. The last time I preached from Hebrews, two weeks ago, we looked at verses 5-9 through nine of chapter 2. And then today we've got verse 10 all the way through 3-6. Consider Jesus. Look at chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. And I know that having read this, I, I do want to read it again. Look at it. Who was faithful to Him who appointed Him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. I'm reading, of course, from verse 5 of chapter 3. To testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are His house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. I want this paragraph, I want this paragraph, and I think this is faithful to the text. This is not just me uh, using it in, in however I want to use it. I want this paragraph, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, to do double duty for us. And so, Lord, well, Lord willing, the next time we look at Hebrews... Next week, Lord willing, we'll, we'll glance at this paragraph again. And I think it is like a hinge. I think it does serve double duty. I think it completes, listen to me, I think it completes the thought that is given in chapter 2. I think you need to keep reading. And I think it also introduces the rest of chapter 3. Just to give you a little bit of a, of a, of a hint and of a forward-looking what I just read there in chapter 3, 1 through 6 is kind of like this. If I say to you that Ben is greater than Ray, Ben is greater than Ray, which may or may not be true. They're, they're both wolf packers. But if I say, but, but, but no, listen, Ray is, is great. He's, he's, he's really... He's really great. So what I'm trying to say to you is, do you see how much better Ben is? Because Ray is actually great. And that's kind of the comparison that's going on here. Just a, Again, just a hint. It's not demeaning Moses as much as it is to say, wow, but, but wow. 
Consider Jesus is come straight out of verse 1 of chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Uh, this is an exhortation. Uh, this is an imperative. The Bible says that one of the ways that you know that you're in Christ, this is not how we get in Christ, but we examine ourselves. First John do we keep His commandments? And His commandments are not burdensome. This is one of those that is sweet and is certainly not burdensome. Consider Jesus. He goes on to say what? The apostle and high priest of our confession. So consider Jesus, but you remember that other heading, consider Jesus and His humanity. Let me just show you the connection between chapter 3 and chapter 2. Let me show you in the text the connection between chapter 3 and chapter 2. What does it say at the end of verse 1 of chapter 3? Who is Jesus? Verse 1b, who is He? He is what? The apostle and high priest of our confession. He is the high priest of... Well, look at chapter 2, verse 17. All you got to do is glance up just a little bit. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Well, that's not all it says in verse 1 of chapter 3. Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession who was faithful to him who appointed him. And you go back to chapter 2, verse 17, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Do you see? There's all these connections. It's really just beautiful when you study and you don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a scholar when you just study the Scriptures. Man, it just lights go on. It's beautiful. So we've seen some connections already. 3-2, faithful. 2-17, faithful. 3-1, high priest. 217 high priest. How about this? Therefore, holy brothers, how do we become holy? How about 211? For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source through the blood of Jesus Christ. So holy brothers in 31 goes with 211, he who sanctifies. Oh, also in 31 holy brothers I'm so glad I'm a part of the family. It's a really old song. Part of the family of God. And that's what he's saying in chapter 2. That's the same thing he's saying in chapter 2. Verses 11 and 12. That's why to 11 he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. Glance back with me at verse 5 of chapter 2. Now we'll move from bouncing around a little bit to more uh, linear, I guess. For what it's worth, this whole thing is 2 5 through 3 6, if you want the whole thing. Let me read 5 through 9 quickly, not because it's unimportant. 
2.5. Are you looking at that? For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, Psalm 8, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor, Psalm 8, because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And now we get into our text proper for today. We're not looking at chapter 3 heavily at all. So look with me at verse 10. Like a laser, look at it. Look at verse 10. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Now it's okay if you're just listening, but also if you're look, looking, who is he in verse 10? Don't answer out loud, of course, but when it says in verse 10, look at it, for it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, who is he there? I mean, you, you could say, you know, based on other scriptures, you might, your mind might go to Jesus is talking about God. You see that in verse 10? I'm telling you, it's talking about God, the Father. It was fitting that He, God, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Well, I'm, I'm just peppering you with a few questions here. How about verse 11? Who is... Who's the referent point there? Who's the he there in verse 11? Look at it. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. Who's that? Well, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Verse 11 is for Jesus who sanctifies by the cutting off, by the cutting off of his body on the cross makes us holy. Well, here's another question for you. What does it mean at the end of verse 10 when it says that God made the founder, which is Jesus, right? Made the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. What does that mean? Have you ever thought about that? Why? Why does it say that God made Jesus perfect? Is not Jesus God? Boys and girls, all of you, you remember Hebrews chapter 1? Do we not see so clearly there in Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus is the very Son of God? Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. Listen. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Oh no, He is God. Fully God. So again, why does it say that He was made perfect? Not because He had any sin, but precisely because He took on our human nature in every way. That by living life, that by living life, by His experience of obeying the Father and of suffering, He grew in maturity, He became perfect, 
which is not, the text is not saying that he was imperfect in the sense of sin. Okay, verse 11 is talking about Jesus. He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Look at the text with me. Verse 12. Saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Psalm 22. Messianic Psalm. And again, Isaiah chapter 8. I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. And then when you get to what Pastor Ray read, which is verses 14 through 18, you really get to Christmas. You really get to the incarnation. Look at this. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. The cause a propitiation needed to be made. Because there was need, friends, there was need of an atoning sacrifice to propitiate, to satisfy the wrath of God. And since there was a need on behalf of sinful and fallen man, listen to me, sinful and fallen man, since there was a need for propitiation, by the way, that's verse 17, since there was a need for the wrath of God to be satisfied, the only way for that need to be met was that the Son of God would become man not in a veneer, but in totality. Not seeming to be a man. Look it up. It's the old heresy called Apollinarianism. Study church history. Look it up. Apollinarianism. I believe that Jesus is God. I have trouble with Him being fully man. The Bible doesn't have trouble with Him being fully man. Hebrews doesn't have trouble with Jesus being fully man. Hebrews 2, 5 through 18 in particular. Hebrews 2, 5 through 18. Says Jesus is fully man. So, so listen to this. One man has put it like this. Jesus uh, may have had pimples. He may have been tone deaf. Perhaps a girl down the street had a crush on him or vice versa. It could be that his knees were bony. One thing's for sure, this brother says. He was, while completely divine, completely human. For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I have ever felt. That's good news. He felt weak. He grew weary. He got colds. He got colds. Sick. He burped. He had body odor. His feelings got hurt. His feet got tired. And his head ached. At this point, Guthrie chimes in and he says this, to think of Jesus in such a light is, well, it seems to most of us irreverent. It's not something we like to do. It's uncomfortable. It's much easier to keep the humanity uh, out of the incarnation. Clean, clean the manure from around the manger. That's a good statement. Clean the manure from around the manger. But if you do that... 
in 1 Corinthians 15, we have no hope because a propitiation is needed on behalf of sinful man. The wrath of God against you and I because of our sin. Friends, look at me. The holy anger of God against us as sinners needs to be propitiated. The wrath of God needs to be satisfied, needs to be quenched. And the only way that happens is if God Himself, is if the Son of God, in His divine plan, becomes man. Clean the manure from around the manger. Wipe the sweat out of His eyes. Pretend He never snored or blew His nose or hit His thumb with a hammer. But that's not what Hebrew says. You can pretend he never snored or blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer. That's not the teaching on the full humanity. of No, what we need is a whole Christ. It's not a piecemeal. It's not that Hebrews 2 is about Jesus as man and Hebrews 1 is about Jesus as God. Although that's true, we need, as Sinclair Ferguson says, we need the whole Christ. You need the whole Christ. All of Christ for all of life. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Remember, just your little church history nugget. Remember, we don't want to fall into the ancient error of Apollinarianism. And again, what is that, you say? What is that? To embrace his divinity, but hold his full humanity at arm's length. No, no. Let me give you a rapid fire some things that I noticed in this text. These are some things that I jotted down. Hebrews 2.10 through 3.6. Let me just point out a few things very quickly here. Here's one. It says, holy brothers. It says, holy brothers. And I get that from chapter 3, verse 1. If you are a Christian, that is you. Uh, that's you here this morning. You're a holy brother. You are in Christ, to be sure. In Christ Jesus, you're holy. You're a saint. Christian, be who you are. Here's another thing. Jesus died uniquely for His people. This is beautiful and practical and biblical. Why do I say that Jesus died for His people? Well, actually, the reason I say that starts in verse 9 where it says that so by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And then if you keep reading, friends, in verses 10 through 18, it points out the suffering of Christ. Please notice the suffering of Christ. If this passage is about Christmas, then don't ever forget that he was born to die. He was born to die. So in verse 10, in verse 10, it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory, remember again, who's that talking about? It's talking about God. Should make the founder, that's Jesus, of their salvation perfect through suffering. Verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Verse 18. 
For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus died for his people. Here's another thing. On the cross, Jesus bore the wrath of God for us, for everyone who believes. This is propitiation. We spent an entire Wednesday night this year looking at this. J.I. Packer calls it in his famous book, Knowing God. He says this is the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel shows up two times in 1 John, one time in Romans chapter 3, and right here in Hebrews 2.17, what's the heart of the gospel? Propitiation. An atoning sacrifice that turns away wrath. Look at verse 15. 2.15, deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Are you here this morning enslaved by the fear of death? Are you? Are you, my friend? You don't have to be any longer. Verse 16, for surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Well, there's so many other things we could point out here. Don't forget that the Old Testament is Christian Scripture. It's the Word of God. He keeps quoting from the Old Testament here. We could talk about how Jesus is our elder brother. You know that, right? If you're in Christ, Jesus is our elder brother. Compare Romans chapter 8, but it's, but it's multiple times here. Let me try to bring this to a finer point than I have so far. Okay, friends, where have we been? Where have we been? Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus in his full humanity. We've noticed various things about the text. We've noticed how these two chapters go together. Most of the attention is to chapter 2. Let me call us this morning. Let me tell you, be faithful. That's one thing. Be faithful. That's from chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. But I'm not here to tell you this morning, be faithful. No, because the main point is, is that Moses was faithful. No, that's not the main point. The main point is that Jesus is and was faithful. 3-2. Who was faithful to him who appointed him. 2.17, a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Now stay with me, as you have been doing, no doubt. The call to us this morning is yes, to be faithful. It is, if you'll notice the end of chapter 3, verse 6. Yes, it is. If you, you just have to know a little bit of, you have to have made a D in English to know what I'm about to say. Verse 6, friends, please look at it. 3, 6 has a conditional clause. Why, where do you know that you have a conditional clause? When you're studying English sentences, if you, oftentimes if you see a two-letter word called if, 
And I want you to see here in 3.6, Christ is faithful over God's house. No, the first message is not be faithful. It is be faithful. But Christ is faithful. And, and 3.6b, and we are His house. Praise God. Jesus is your elder brother. If you have repented of your sins based on the cross work of Christ, based on His shed blood for you, a sinner. You're a sinner. Good news. Good news. You're a sinner. And God loves you. He loves the world. He sent Christ to die for everyone who will ever repent and believe. Christ is our elder brother. We are His house. We are His house. Conditional clause. And you know that we believe in the security of the believer here. You know that. We are His house, and I'm just not going to comment on this. It's just the Word of God. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So what? So consider Jesus. That's it. Hebrews 12. Don't turn to Hebrews 12. I was sitting in the uh, Vine Center 20 years ago at Liberty University. You've heard of, heard of uh, James's all-time favorite author, John Maxwell. He was there preaching at the Vine Center. He preached a sermon from Hebrews 12. Consider them a great cloud of witnesses and consider him. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Consider them and consider him. And that's it. That's it. Well, what, what does that mean in verse 3 1? What does it mean to consider Jesus? Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. What does it mean that Jesus is an apostle? It means that God sent him. It means John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but, but have eternal life. Apostle means sent. He is the sent one. Consider him. Consider Jesus. No, don't consider him this morning as though you could merely consider him. No, consider Jesus, my fellow believer. Consider him. Listen, I want to encourage you with this. My, my brand new favorite study Bible says this and then I'm done. Listen, uh, I don't know if you're a chess player my, uh, my kids are chess players. I consider myself more of an intellectual, so I play checkers at Cracker Barrel. Um, so, but I found this, like I say, in my new favorite study Bible, and it says this. The devil is like a stubborn chess player. Jesus defeated the devil. Not, not, not Jesus is going to defeat the devil. Jesus defeated the devil. But the devil's a stubborn chess player, doomed by the loss of his queen, who makes his opponent take every pawn before admitting defeat. Christ's death has taken the queen. His return will take the king. Because of Jesus, our victor, Satan and his evil angels will suffer forever in the lake of fire. You don't have to be afraid of death doesn't mean you have to be superhuman or super spiritual. You don't have to have a fundamental fear of death. 
Because in the cross of Christ is the death of death. Satan is defeated. We were singing it this morning. Pastor Ray was leading it. It's accomplished. Believe. Rest. Consider him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity of the gospel. Help us, like you called this church, this church so many years ago, help us to hold fast to our confession of the gospel. Thank you for Jesus, who is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Oh Lord, thank you that he sympathizes with us. Thank you for the beautiful truth of the sympathy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that we would know that Christ fully sympathizes with us in every way and even all the more so because he did not sin. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.